I'm Matt Gall, joined by head men's basketball coach Mark Sfagera, and you're listening to the BC Buckets podcast. First, thanks to everyone who's listened to the podcast so far and sent in listener emails. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, please reach out on Twitter at, at @bcbucketscast or shoot us an email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. We're joined here in the Newman Flanagan Center by Bobby Beach running the tech for us. Uh, we're also joined by Kevin Potterbaum, Briarcliff's uh, Sports Information Director, and special guest today, Briarcliff University Athletic Director Nick Nelson. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. I feel humbled and blessed to be here uh, participating in this with you guys. The the intellect and wit that, that both you and Coach Figueroa bring to the table um, really makes this a special podcast, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it today. Well, thanks for joining us, and, and we're going to talk to you a little bit here about some things that are going on within the athletic department. I know we've got homecoming coming up here soon, so we'll talk a little bit about that too. But I guess just right uh, at the top here, let's uh, go over to Coach Figuera. Coach, uh, in the last couple weeks, I know we talked last time about some of the strength and conditioning things you guys are doing. I'm sure that's continuing. And I know you've got practice starting here very soon. Uh, so why don't you just fill us in on what's been going on the last couple weeks and how you guys are looking heading into the uh, first part of the season here. Yeah, you know, we've actually had a really busy couple of weeks since the last time we talked. Um, we had a week of pretty organized pickup games, open gym, whatever you want to call it. And that was really the first time our coaching staff was on the floor with our guys doing a little coaching, um, certainly doing a lot of evaluating, trying to see how all the pieces fit together when you have – 16 freshmen on the roster there's a lot of new faces a lot of guys coming from different programs that played a different style and trying to mold all of them into one now and and just seeing how that all fits together um, you know that was really valuable for us as a coaching staff to do that for a week this past week was our boot camp week which uh, is probably not quite as bad as it sounds um, but it was it's a, it's a very time-consuming week for the guys um, we go at 5 30 a.m every day which most of them don't like. Um, apparently, we don't have a lot of morning people on our team. Uh, but, it, but it gives us a chance to do some very basketball-specific things, start to talk about and implement some of the really basics of our offense and our defense for the year. And so we would do that from 5.30 to 7.30. Guys had small group workouts during the days, once or twice during the week, had lifting three times during the week. And then every afternoon, we did something, some kind of a team activity. We had a speaker come in one day. Thursday, we did a little conditioning and Wednesday we actually had a couple U.S. Marines come in and put our guys through some of their workouts and uh, I think it was really valuable for our guys in terms of being able to push themselves but working together and, and having some shared suffering together because it didn't look real fun what they were doing with the Marines. No, it reminded me of Rocky Four when uh, they go over to Siberia or wherever the heck they're at to start training and Rocky's lifted a bunch of rocks and boulders while uh, Yvonne Drago. If only we had some great 80s music playing while I we know. were doing that. Would've, that would have taken it over the top, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe next time. But, uh, but yeah, it looked like uh, you guys are doing some pretty fun, unique things to keep workouts fresh and try some new things. So uh, how have the guys responded to that? You know, I've been really pleased, um, especially last week through our boot camp, just the energy we had, whether it was in the gym, whether it was in afternoon conditioning, uh, the energy was really high. I think the focus was really high. You know, when, you, when you're talking 5.30 in the morning, most of our guys are not used to being up at that time. 
Um, and so I think sometimes that's a lot harder than the physical aspect of just getting over the fact that, hey, I probably got up at 4.30 a.m. and I have to go work out for two hours. That's really hard for some of the guys, and I think they did a really good job of, of handling that and, and pushing through and making sure that after that week of boot camp, we're ready to start practice. We start practice here this week. Actually, tomorrow is our pr first practice. And so at this point, I think the hard part's kind of out of the way, and, and now it's about – really focusing in and, and putting ourselves in the best position we can, you know, when six weeks from now we need to step out on the floor and be ready to go. What's your practice schedule look like? You know, it really depends on the week. A lot of, a lot of weeks we will go six days, uh, Monday through Saturday. Usually try to get done Saturday morning and so guys can go, you know, still have a little bit of a weekend. Uh, try to work in a, a few days off here and there during the week. We'll have a couple scrimmages coming up here in October. And, uh, you know, but it's – especially for our freshmen, it's a big change because the length of a college basketball season is a lot longer than high school. And in, in high school, our guy or our freshmen, you know, they would go seven, eight practices and they're playing games. And now we're talking probably 30, 32 practices without a game, and that can get a little monotonous for a freshman when you're not used to that. And so we try to keep it fresh. We try to find a, a day off here or there and, you know, work in some scrimmages. But – uh it's a it's a fun month, and I, I don't know if the guys always agree with that, but as a coach, you know, I think it's a great month because that's kind of your time to get ready to go. And after that, you get you get caught up in games and you get caught up in scouting reports and what just happened, what's going to happen next. And right now it's all about just our team getting better, preparing ourselves the best we can. So practice starts this week, and I know homecoming's coming up, and we've got an alumni game coming up, and we'll talk about that in a little bit once we talk about the homecoming weekend and some of the events that are going on there. But another thing I wanted to talk about and get people aware of, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are already aware of the six-man club and are probably already members of the six-man club, uh, but can you talk a little bit about what the six-man club is and if there are folks out there who aren't yet part of it, how they can join? Yeah, the six-man club is, you know, at, at its core, it's just it's a booster club for the men's basketball program. Um, we've been very fortunate over the years that we've had great support, be it from alumni, from boosters, from families of players, and we are able to raise a considerable amount of money that we try to put all that back into the program and, and put it towards our players, whether it's buying them nice travel gear, going on trips. You know, this upcoming season we're going to Phoenix – uh, for six days and we're going to play a couple games down there buying new equipment um, it just it's been really really good for us and the people who have just done it year in and year out and have been very supportive of the program it's been great for us if you're interested in joining and you don't know about it I would say you can contact me there's ways to give online you can send checks in if you if you want to know what exactly the money goes to or anything about it I, I would encourage somebody to get in touch with me and Nick, you guys have recently rolled out what's called the Charger Foundation, which is more of a holistic approach to supporting all the athletic programs here at Briarcliff. Tell about how the Charger Foundation came to be and, and how folks can get involved. Absolutely. So really, to try to be as simple as possible, the, all the Charger Foundation is really trying to do is to take all of our individual sports, as Coach Fergaris just Coach Figueroa said booster club, six-man club is a great example. Several of our sports have similar setups. It's just really trying to take those and bring those all under one umbrella 
and and so that everybody that joins the six-man club also becomes part of the Charger Foundation. It's a way for us to be able to communicate things that are going on across Briarcliff Athletics, um, try to bring everybody together. Everybody can still give, uh, you know, to their sport. Uh, most of the people who join the six-man club, their passion is for men's basketball. And so we didn't want to take away from that, but we wanted to provide the opportunity for people to be part of the greater Briarcliff Athletic family. So that's the way that we look at it is if you look at the Charger Foundation, it's at the top, the big umbrella, and then all the individual sports, six-man included, fit within the Charger Foundation. I've been a member of the six-man club for a few years now, and it's it's kind of nice to get those email updates throughout the season telling us about how recruiting's going updating us on you know how the season's going obviously if we're following the program we we have an idea but we get a little bit of an inside look at what the team's been up to and uh, so I, I definitely encourage anyone if if you haven't joined the six-man club certainly do that the team would appreciate your support and you get something out of it too you get an inside look at what's going on with Briarcliff basketball and I think for the last uh, several years, uh, it's been good times for this program, and we've been competing at a high level, and, and so now's a great time to, to join because, you know, I'm going to put some pressure on your coach, but I, I feel like the success is going to continue on, and for that to continue on, we need support. So make sure you check that out, and again, if you have any questions on what the six-man club is, make sure you reach out and, uh, and ask. So last week we talked about high school mascots and some of the gyms that you've seen out on the recruiting trail and, and some of the gyms that we've played in. So I thought we could talk about some of the best gyms you've seen, uh, some of the best mascots you've seen, and maybe just some of the best traditions or atmosphere that you've seen on the road. And thought I would start by asking everyone in the room uh, a little bit of a trivia question on Iowa high school uh, mascots or nicknames. Does anyone have an idea of what the most popular Iowa high school mascot is? Again, this is the state of Iowa. I've got a list here of about 10. Uh, there are two tied for the most at 18 schools. Well, my first guess is going to be something that involves Hawks. There's a lot of high schools that are, you know, could be the Jayhawks, could be the E-Hawks. Some kind of hawk in this state. It's got to be up there somewhere. So I, I didn't go that far to include every variation of Hawk, but just pure Hawks, there are 11, and that is not the most common. So you may be right if you, again, take all of the different species of Hawk and throw them in. And some that aren't even actually Hawks, you just put a letter in front of it. Yeah, you're right. But that, uh, that is not the top of the list here. Oh, Nick's cheating. Nick <laughs> Nelson, athletic director for Briarcliff University, just looked at the list, so he's disqualified. Matt, I didn't actually see the answer because your scribbles are so small. I was going to guess Wildcats, but we were talking a little bit earlier, and, and apparently that's wrong. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity, though, to, to while we're on the topic. I just want to express my general beef with mascots, um, and I'm going to offend some people listening because maybe their schools might be hurt by this, but I really have a problem with generic mascots, Wildcat, Tiger, Bulldog, um, Mustang, whatever it might be. Um, I just think uh, if we're going to talk later about favorite mascots, I think the more unique, the better. Uh, and if I was starting a school from scratch uh, right now, I would go as unique and rare as I could possibly go. Uh, so that's just a general beef I have uh, with the whole concept of mascots. All right, listeners, this is Kevin Potabom jumping in, the SID here at Briarcliff. And I was going to bounce off of that idea 
Um, I wanted to bring up the fact that with mascots, I love if there's a story behind it or there's a reason, a passion. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, this is a podcast. You can't see what I'm wearing, but everyone here at the table can see I'm wearing a shirt that says Property of Owls Baseball. I played amateur baseball in South Dakota, which it's a huge thing out there. And I love the fact that one, nicknames are crazy and unique, but two, they have a meaning. So I played for the Owls, and the reason they were the Owls was it was from Westington Springs, and they were the first team in their league that had lights at their baseball stadium. So they kind of considered themselves Night Owls because they were able to schedule right. night games. So the team nickname became the Owls. I love when there's a story backing what a team nickname is, and that kind of goes off of, of Nick's point of, you know, if you throw a generic name in there, what I absolutely hate, and again, I might offend some people, but I'm sorry, I hate nicknames that are, well, I'll just throw the example, the Fort Dodge Dodgers. That's getting lazy. That's getting real lazy. Yeah, I, I got to throw something in here real quick. This is way off topic, but you brought it up, Kevin. I'm just going to say this. At this table right now, three, three guys here have played or play South Dakota amateur baseball, and I never had ever heard of it until I moved to Sioux City, um, but apparently it is a big deal. But between Kevin, Nick, and Bobby, either played or current players in that league. I don't want to hijack the conversation here, but uh, as athletic director, I'm going to step in and forever ban Kevin Potterbaum from talking on this podcast uh, because of his Fort Dodge Dodger comment, because I, I actually would counter that, but I, I like that. I don't think it's lazy. I'm a product of the Central Lion Lions. Great play on words. You got the county lion. You take a mascot lions. Might be generic in some cases, but when you can go back to back, I really appreciate that. So um, I'm just going to disagree with Kevin on on the whole Fort Dodge Dodger comment. It's not laziness. But what, how what is I, that spelled? How is how are the Central Lion Lions spelled? Well, Matt, uh, you grew up in Iowa. I would think you know how the counties are spelled. But Lion, the county is L Y O N, and then we all know how Lions are spelled. So it's got a different spelling. Uh, but I like the the back to back play on Lion County. But isn't that a missed opportunity though to spell Lions the way? Central Lyon County is spelled. I feel like that's just a huge miss. Do you disagree? Yeah, I disagree. I don't see how that's a miss at all because really, it's it's you don't look at them on paper and oh, Central Lyon Lions is when we talk about it. So who cares how it's spelled? Would be my counter to that. Okay, we'll agree to disagree. I was we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I was I did pull up some of the more unique uh, mascot names in Iowa. We'll get to that here in a second. But I, I do want to finish that question about the most common mascot in Iowa. It, it there's a tie at 18. There's 18 schools with these two uh, particular mascot names. So we, I've heard Wildcats. They have 13. Hawks Lions one of them. Uh, they, they're not on my list. They weren't, they weren't one of the top ones. There are a few I left off that weren't even pushing, uh, 18. So I just didn't even write them down. My, my guesses would include something along the tigers, warriors, or Indians. You hit both in that group. It is the warriors and the tigers tied at 18. So I also looked up and, and just to go down the list. Uh, so Eagles, there's 15 schools that are the Eagles, 14 that are the bulldogs, uh, 11 Indians, 11 Mustangs, 11 Panthers, uh, 8 Falcons, 7 Comets. So those were the those are the ones I wrote down, but there were a few others that probably fell in that in that range too. There are two Chargers, there are two high schools in the state of Iowa that are the Chargers. Any ideas there who those might be? You've got me stumped. I know Dr. Paul Olson, we talked about him before. He knows one of these for sure. It's his his high school that he graduated from. Lorenz Marathon? 
That's right. That's one. Lorenz Marathon Chargers. And there's one other Chargers. It's the Cheridan Chargers. That leads me to a few of the more unique nicknames here in the state. I hope you have Des Moines North on there. I have the Des Moines North Polar Bears, which is definitely top three. Uh, Des Moines Public Schools actually probably have two that need to be talked about. And I don't know if you have it written down or not, but I would throw Des Moines Lincoln in there also. I've got the Des Moines Lincoln Rail Splitters on the list as well. Do you have the Sigourney Kyoto Savage Cobras? That's my favorite. I don't. I didn't even. I don't think I saw that one. Yeah. And just to cite my source, so the Sioux City Journal had a directory where they aggregated basically all of the high schools in Iowa and, and put these mascots together. So if anyone's going to dispute these numbers, take it up with them. Don't call us. Don't email us. We're just going with what we had at a, after a quick Google search. Um, but I think, you know, when you talk about taking a nickname that uh, either comes from the name of your town or, or you take some creative approach to putting that together, there's one school in Northwest Iowa that really stands out, one that's super unique, and I think one that's pretty polarizing. But I happen to think uh, it's a tremendous uh, nickname. And I'm from Sheldon, Iowa. I didn't go to Sheldon High School. But Sheldon, of course, uh, is the Orabs, which their school colors are orange and black. They combine those colors to make Orabs pretty simple and straightforward, but pretty unique and clever, too. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, we actually have two freshmen on our team from Sheldon, uh, so that's – we were in that gym a few times last year, and it's definitely unique. Um, you know, it could border on lazy, but I think I give the edge to unique and you know, just something different as opposed to just being another Tigers. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Pender, Nebraska, they're the Pender Pendragons. That's a good one. Any others that we're, we're missing here? Fairbury, Nebraska is the Jeffs. They the were Jeffs, Jeff J-E-F-F? Jeff F Correct, S? Jefferson County. Okay. Um, and that's what they came up with, the Jeffs. That's, a, that's one of my all-time favorites. In honor of the guy who came from the Mitchell area, I, I would love to get everyone's interpretation of how they feel about the Mitchell Colonels. Colonels as in K-E-R-N-E-L-S. Uh, alluding, of course, to the, the Corn Palace. The world's palace. only Corn Palace. The world's only. Sioux City had a Corn Palace at one time. The original one. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that into the that's unique and a little creative at the same time, taking something you have in your town and making a mascot out of it. I give that a, a five-star for sure. Can we pay some homage uh, just for a second to some mascots that no longer exist? Uh, I just thought of this. The I think it was the Clay Central Everly Cattle Feeders. That's correct. One of my all-time favorites. Don't believe that that's the mascot uh, in the present day, but – that's an all-time classic. They're the Mavericks now, if I'm not mistaken. A couple of my buddies from my Briarcliff days, uh, Andrew Douglas, you might know him as Tuba if you're from uh, if you were from Briarcliff around the same time I was. But uh, he went to Whitewater High School in Whitewater, Wisconsin, and they were the Whippets. It's like a mini Greyhound, basically, I think. Yeah, as is Minden High School in Nebraska, also the Whippets. Oh, are they? Okay. And my other buddy, uh, John Getter, He's from Wabasso, Minnesota, in southwest Minnesota. They're the rabbits. So you don't hear too much of those. So those are a little bit unique. Absolutely. So let's talk now about uh, gyms because there might be some schools that didn't get shout-outs in our nickname coverage here but certainly have gyms worthy of talking about. And I know we talked last week about – some schools still have those real old historic gyms that have been around for decades and decades and have a lot of history. And I know now you see a lot of renovations and a lot of real uh, 
you know, high tech gyms going in, great facilities. But I think uh, both can bring different types of character. You guys, you know, Mark, you're out on the recruiting trail now. Nick, you used to be out on the recruiting trail. What are some of the more unique gyms or some of your favorite gyms that you like to visit when you're out and about watching players? Well, I'll start by saying this. I, I always will give my lean to the old, unique, historic gyms. And there's a lot of new, nice, glitzy gyms out there. And they're awesome. Don't get me wrong. There's some awesome ones in this area and across the state and the region. But I I just have a soft spot for an old school gym. You know, you don't have to leave Sioux City to think of a good one. You know, the pit at Helan, that is a unique place. You get stuck in the wrong spot, you're going to be right behind an I-beam. You're not going to be able to see some of the action on the floor. Uh, but it's a it's a great atmosphere for a game. And, and you know, they're not going to be playing there much longer. Right. But that's an awesome place. You know, and I'll, I'll bring up a school that doesn't exist anymore, Northeast Hamilton High School. One of our former players, Clayton Harold, right, was yep. from there. Uh, again, I-beams literally probably two feet off the floor and if if you're running and there's a there's a you're gonna die for a loose ball over on that sideline you better be careful and watch your head because you might hit that i-beam you know but there's so many just cool gyms in, in this area um those are a couple that really stand out to me off the top you know and that's just talking this area yeah i think we mentioned hinton last week you know they, they still play in a an older gym with some character the Clay Central Everly Mavericks, like we talked about, uh, kind of a unique gym up there. Jumping up, I know we're talking high schools now, but uh, I had an opportunity to go to a game over at Northwestern in, in Evanston and watch them play Stanford. This would have been 2007. It's when the Lopez brothers were playing at, at uh, Stanford, even though I think Brooke was uh, ineligible. But uh, their gym, you know, is old, and I think they, they take a lot of crap for some of their facilities. But it just it felt like you were stepping into the 1960s. It was kind of a cool atmosphere being right on top of the court. Yeah, and I think, you know, if, if, if we're going to talk at the Division One level, you look to the – I mean, look to the highest levels of Division One basketball in Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke. That is not a new place. It's not a huge place. You know, it's pretty small on the grand scale of Division One high major facilities. But – the history in that building, the atmosphere they have with their students. Um, I think it's a daunting place to play would be my guess. And, and I think something like that's awesome to have. I think the best feature or the feature, which is a signature of one of these gyms is that weird hoop that's just mounted right on the wall in the corner, right where you walk out of the gym. If it's got one of those, chances are it's probably one of those character gyms that that uh, I enjoyed playing at. Aurelia had a good gym. I remember playing at Aurelia in high school. Uh, but, I, you know, I played 1A ball, so we were at a lot of small schools, and, and so we played in a lot of those. One, I'm going to say that my favorite high school gym, if we're talking about high school gyms right now, I'm not sure how many of our listeners have been there, but North Scott High School, way over uh, far eastern Iowa, Quad Cities, uh, has a phenomenal gym. They call it a pit there as well, but it's just got that uh, sort of, you go down into it, which I think is always a neat feature of a gym. Uh, as far as other gyms, I'm, I'm partial to some characteristics like you guys are talking about. I love like the high crow's nest for like the radio guy that you got to climb some partially dangerous ladder to get up into it. And uh, But I think that's a great feature. I don't know what you guys think about this. Uh, this may be a, a controversial statement, but I love a good stage somewhere in the gym. Either it's a, a side stage, an end stage. Some of the gyms that we've already talked about feature a stage. Uh, Emerson Hubbard uh, in Nebraska, uh, they've got the crazy setup where the teams also, I believe, it's been a few years, 
I think they sit on the stage. So I think that they, they've got to, when you check into the game, it's not as simple as running the scores table. You've got to navigate getting off of the stage onto the gym level. Um, but just a stage in general, I think, really adds something. Matt, your old high school, Spalding Catholic, featured a prominent stage. Um, you know, just that's that's a great feature. I, I'd be curious on the guys' in the room feedback on that. Yeah, I, I think you're right on. I think a stage is a great feature to have. And I'm going to take it one step further. You have your pep band on the stage. Yep. You want to talk about an atmosphere in a high school gym. Pep band makes a, a huge difference, but if it's on the stage – that's that's just a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think Galen and Remsen and St. Mary's both have a stage on the end mm-hmm. of the court. Um, yeah, the stage, the stage, and the weird corner mounted hoop. Those are, are definitely two quintessential uh, old school small town gyms. Nick features. did bring up he loves the old crow's nest for the radio guys. As somebody who has been a radio broadcaster, some of them look really really cool for the fans. As a broadcaster, not necessarily a fan on my end, especially if you have a bunch of equipment that needs to climb up those that are going straight up the wall. I have feared for my life a few times getting ready to call a game. But, yeah, as far as the fans and the players on the court, awesome atmosphere. For radio guys, just put us at the scorer's table, please. Does Dort have that set up? I don't know about Dort. No, I was going to say Mount Marty uh, has a – a very steep climb up into a highly elevated uh, crow's nest in it, their gym. It, it's a trek to yeah. do a post-game interview at Mount Marty. For sure. Really? Okay. I haven't been. I, I'm not the gym. lightest guy in the world, and I wasn't all that confident in the steps I was walking on at the time. I'll have to say, going back to the stage thing, I think I remember playing in a high school basketball game in George Little Rock, Iowa, years ago. And I think you could get kicked by the students. I, I, that's something that they allowed at George Little Rock, um, that you would be playing in the game and having to risk being kicked. The stage was that close to the sideline. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd challenge any of the listeners uh, if they had a picture of that. But my recollection is extremely dangerously close to the court. That's a tremendous home court advantage. <laughs> yeah. How about atmospheres? Where, where have you seen some of the most intense fan atmospheres in the, at the high school level, at the college level? Okay, going back to if we're on high school here, um, you know, one, I'm, I'd be partial to the Siouxland Conference. That's a conference that I grew up in, and it is a great basketball conference. I'm going to go historically, uh, thinking about my, my recruiting days, a couple of the – well, I, I probably the best game atmosphere I was ever at was Fort Dodge St. Edmund versus Ackley Geneva Wellsburg Steamboat Rock, AGWSR. It was at Ames High School. It was your classic Iowa sub-state game where you had number one and number two in the state played each other in a sub-state game, not at the state tournament. They were undefeated. It was an just unbelievable. The game went into overtime. I think AGWSR won. I'm not even sure I remember. But in terms of just a single game that I was at where it was just an almost an indescribable atmosphere and, and – you know, high school basketball fans, I think, would agree with this, that the, oftentimes that sub-state game is the, is the best atmosphere you could possibly get because that's where the most pressure's on. I was going to say one of, the, one of the greatest atmospheres I had for a high school game, it was actually I was still in middle school, but it was East versus Helan in the old auditorium when they, they just realized the pit wasn't going to be big enough to fit. That year, both teams ended up playing in a state championship game. So in the regular season, playing at, you know, now it's long lines, but then it was the auditorium. That place was an aw- awesome atmosphere, and it was packed for some high school basketball. Just great atmosphere. 
Yeah, you're taking me back now to growing up and going to Briarcliff Morningside games in, in the old auditorium. And uh, those were a, a lot of fun. I went to those games from the time I was born uh, and until, of course, that became a conference game and then those moved. But uh, those those were great games. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, being that I'm the only Nebraska native here, you know, for years and years growing up, I always thought Omaha Creighton Prep had the best atmosphere around. Their old gym. Their current gym's unbelievable. It's beautiful. Um, their old gym was awesome. They called it the birdcage. Um, their students were literally right on top of the end baseline. It wasn't that big. They were really good for years and years, and that place was packed. It was loud. Um, it's, it, it was literally everything you wanted in a high school basketball environment. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the environment that our Blue Crew group uh, creates here at the Newman Flanagan Center for our home games. Have you, I mean, do you see anything as unique as what we offer our fans in terms of the Lucky Duck Chuck and halftime knockout and some of those other things that, uh, you know, I know are unique? Being, being that I've been hit by a duck in the Lucky Duck Chuck numerous times during timeouts, you know, it's probably not my favorite tradition in the Flanagan Center. I will say the Blue Crew, our student section, it's made a huge difference for us, you know, and this is going back. This is my eighth year at Briarcliff. I think the last four or five, it's, it's maybe taken a step um, to the better, you know, but we have, we have some great student support being a, you know, being at a school like Briarcliff where we do have a lot of student athletes. I think our students really get behind each other and, and they understand, you know, how much work we all put in, you know, whether it's basketball or another sport. Um, and I, I think it's awesome how much they support each other. And as I try not to pay attention to them, but sometimes in pregame warmups, I look over there and it, it's a lot of athletes you see sitting in the front row and antagonizing opposing players and, you know, officials and all that. And I, I think it's awesome. And, and, and again, you know, and this is kind of going back a little bit, but you want to talk about a unique facility. The Flanagan Center is a great example of it, in my opinion. You know, as we sit here. We're sitting in the men's basketball office, which is a balcony overlooking the entire place, which was actually a spectator balcony when the when the gym was built, you know. And what's something like sixty percent of this building's underground. You can walk in on the third level or the ground level, depending on where you're at on campus. And uh, I think we all know it gets pretty dang loud in here when it's a big game, second half, packed house. Let me jump in as Matt apparently is checking text messages in the middle of this podcast. So just to provide a opportunity not have an awkward pause there. Um, I think when you think about other atmospheres at other small colleges, I think the one thing Coach alluded to, the most important thing is a, is a winning good team. I mean, really, when you think about the other schools that that Briar Cliff has played at and other atmospheres we've played in, you know, usually if if a team is good, that that's going to impact it. I would say as a general rule. Um, I obviously I'm biased. I feel like Briar Cliff's got maybe the best uh, home court atmosphere in the G Pack. Um, I think you know other ones I think about that are pretty good. Uh, I think uh, you know when when Dort's winning, uh, theirs is, is good. Um, you know, and again every school when you win it, it helps it. But I think Dort's I would point to. I think Dakota Wesleyan and the Corn Palace they've just got a unique facility and they've got a community that loves basketball and, and really supports their team. So. You know, when I when I think about the G Pack, I think other than Briar Cliff, I think maybe those would be the other two schools that I would point to. Yeah, I, I, to piggyback off of that, I think Dort is another one of those that has the unique atmosphere. You know, when you think about the barn, I mean, I, I broadcast games there for several years, and 
I didn't know what the actual place was called. And in my broadcast, I typically just referred to it as the barn because that's what everybody knew it was. So, so that's one of the, the cooler ones in the atmosphere um, in the G-Pack. But bouncing off of that, I was going to check with, with you both, I guess, the current and former men's basketball coaches on um, what are the toughest gyms you guys have had to coach in as an opponent somewhere? And what do you tell your guys heading into a game when you know the atmosphere can be crazy? You know, it, it brings up a unique challenge, I think, when you go on the road and you know that a place is, is going to be a, a tough atmosphere to play in, whether that's because it's a unique facility, because it's going to be really loud. And, you know, we certainly run into both of those throughout the year. And we talk to our guys about it. We try to really emphasize that guys need to be paying attention to the bench. And if it's a dead ball and I'm going to call something from the sideline, our point guard maybe he needs to get all the way over to me instead of standing 40 feet across the floor and, and trying to read my lips because there are places that make it really hard for that communication to happen. And so we try to practice that leading up to it, you know, because I, I'm a big believer and I don't want game day to be the first thing, first time we ever try something, you know. So if we practiced and our point guards can at least build that habit for a couple of days that they need to get closer to me or, or all the way to me, I think that can be a really positive thing um, just to prepare for it. I think you, you also – I think things that the fans wouldn't even think about or realize, but as a coach, there are just a lot of things about a road game and a, and a facility that you think about, uh, you know, that just affect your planning and your preparation and things like what's the setup of the locker room, how far away is the locker room from the court, uh, what's the lighting like in the gym, where's the student section located versus to what basket you might be on in a second half. Uh there are just a lot of things like that that can have a an effect on on the game for you or your team, and and uh, I think things like a visitors' locker room is something that that you really think about. Uh, what's the setup? What's the size? What's the comfort level? Where's it located? Do they have a marker board or not? Do they have a marker board? What, I mean, there are a lot of things like that. Uh, you know, there are some gyms that have a neat feature where they've got the the game clock also in the locker room, so you're not trying to have your student coaches keep track of how much time's left on the clock. Uh, so there are a lot of just little subtle features of facilities that as a coach, as you've been around a while, especially in the league when you get to know the places that you think about. All right, so we're going to get into listener questions now. The first one comes from Destry Sterkel uh, at D underscore Sterkel 308 on Twitter. And he must know you, Coach Figueroa. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah, so Destry played at Dickinson State University. I, I believe I coached him his second and third years. Um, a guy, you know, he and I have stayed close. He's actually a high school coach up in Minnesota now, doing really, really well for himself. So this this will be a good one, I'm sure. Well, he he wrote, "What's your best memory from the uh, China trip?" And then he's got three multiple choice options for you. So I'll read these choices, and then you can tell us a little bit about what this China trip was, and then answer the question. So, what's your best memory from the China trip? A. Destry's long build Adidas hat. B, the bushes outside the bus, and C, dominating the opposing team's coach in ping pong. Well, I'm going to have to start and give a little back information here. Um, so my, my second year coaching at Dickinson State, I was there for two years, 2009 to 2011, um, and I was there immediately before I came to Briarcliff. And that second year, we had an opportunity to take our team to China for nine, ten days and play a couple exhibition games. Um, against some schools over there and you know first of all it's an unbelievable opportunity for for our players and, and the program there and you know at that point I'd never been out of the country before and just to see a history that's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old 
it was unbelievable. Um, to get to the question, A is a good option. Destry's hat, that was a funny thing the whole trip. Um, B never actually happened, so I'm going to have to just eliminate that one from contention. Um, and C is the winner here. Um, anybody that knows me knows I'm a little competitive at times. And so when I was challenged to a game of ping pong by the, uh, by the coach from the team we had played an exhibition game against, I accepted. And, you know, I think I'm an okay ping pong player, not great, but I definitely won that game in dominating fashion. So that, that was definitely the highlight of the options given. Good question, Destry. I just would say this, having seen Coach Figueroa play ping pong, his description of himself as an okay player is, is accurate. All right, and then we have one other question here. This one comes from John Getter. I actually mentioned him a little bit earlier today. And he said, not really a to- or not really a question, just a topic, but we'll form this into a question. Uh, this topic is noon ball. Is it, is it still going? Does Figuera play anymore? And who is his toughest matchup? And I, before you answer that, I can give a little background on noon ball. I used to work in admissions, so I had a few noon ball experiences, although that's been several years now. But it used to be Tuesdays and Thursdays, a bunch of staff, some students, um, some faculty would get together in the Newman Flanagan Center and basically play some hoops from like noon to one, just some pickup games. And so whoever whoever wanted to come down and play would play. So that's been several years now. Is noon ball still going? Yeah, so noon ball is a thing still, um, to answer the first part of that question. Uh, the second part, I do not actually play anymore and haven't for a couple years for really one simple reason. I'm scared I'm going to hurt myself. You know, I'm old enough now and far enough away from being a player that I, I maybe have an irrational fear of blowing an Achilles or tearing an ACL or something like that. And with my luck, it would happen on something non-contact, just me being unathletic more than anything else. Um, so I, I don't play. Um, I know Bobby's sitting to my left right now, one of our student coaches, and I know he plays. And some of the, some of the tougher matchups from when I did play, this goes back a few years. Um, one of the guys who works on camp's name is Gil Ridenauer. He was an unbelievable athlete back in his younger years and still actually is. He was really hard to guard. Uh, for a couple of years, we had some former players who were around. Brenton Brown comes to, comes to mind. He played, and, one, he was a big trash talker, um, but he was a good player too, and he, he was always hard to match up with. So definitely still going on, though. I, I can verify that it's still going on. I've participated a few times in my uh, short tenure so far here at Briarcliff, and I can honestly say from my noonball experience, I made the correct choice when I wrestled in high school. Hey, you got to know your limits, so I respect that. We'll get to shout-outs here in a minute, but uh, first I want to talk a little bit about homecoming because that's coming up a week from uh, when we're recording this. This is Sunday. This will be out Tuesday. So this upcoming weekend will be Briarcliff homecoming, and there's a number of events that will be happening uh, Friday and Saturday. But I want to read off a couple of those just so you're aware of those because we'd love to have as many people at those events as possible. Uh, The volleyball team will play at 7.30 on Friday against the College of St. Mary's here at the Newman Flanagan Center. At 8.45 that evening in the Heffernan Mall here at Briarcliff, the Senior Legacy Gift Fire Pit dedication will take place. So a fire pit has been built uh, up here on campus as an amenity for the students. An awesome project. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That'll be a great enhancement to this campus. Uh, But that dedication will take place 
at 8.45 Friday evening. At some point during the evening, festivities will get rolling at Townhouse Pizza and Lounge for an alumni gathering. So Friday evening, make sure you make your way down to the volleyball game. And after that, head over to Townhouse Pizza and Lounge. Saturday, uh, the 29th, there's a day full of various events going on. At 10 o'clock, the Briarcliff men's basketball alumni game will take place. Mark, what's happening with that? Yeah, it's uh, something we do every year. We invite all of our alums to come back and you know play a scrimmage against our current team. And what's ended up happening is I think a lot of guys get to a certain point where they don't know if that's a good idea anymore. Um, so we end up with a lot of our young alums um, and just knowing who's going to be here this year. We're going to have a really talented alumni team, you know, guys from the last five, six, seven years that won a ton of games, some really, really good players, a couple of former All-Americans will be playing for them. And, and I would encourage all of our alums, whether you want to participate and actually play in the game or not or you just want to be here, I think it's a great event for the program just to, you know, meet some of our new players, but for our for our current players to see some of the old guys. And we talk a lot about the tradi- tradition of the program and, and what came before the here and now and why that's so important and so for our current players to see that and meet some of those guys i think it's an awesome thing for the program and you know if you're just a fan it's really your first chance to to see this year's team in action it's going to be far from a finished product but you know i think it's a good chance to see our guys and and maybe see a little bit about what we're about and if you're on campus for that at 11:30, there will be campus tours offered starting in the roth atrium of the Heelan Hall building. If you haven't been on the campus in a while and you haven't seen the updates to the Flanagan Center or to Heelan Hall, make sure you get on campus and check those out. I think uh, if you haven't been up here in a while, you're going to be really surprised to see everything that's been going on with the facilities here on campus. Uh, There will also be an alumni tailgate down at Memorial Field for the football game hosted by the Football Gold Crew. So make sure to check that out. There will be a 1 o'clock kickoff against Dakota Wesleyan down at Memorial Field as well. There will be soccer versus Morningside at 1 and at 3.30 here on campus at Faber Field. And then from 4 to 7 uh, here on campus in the upper pit area, that's parking lot E on campus, there will be a homecoming happy hour and food truck event. So there will be an opportunity to grab some dinner and meet with other alumni, check out the soccer games. Uh, You can attend 5 o'clock mass here at the Our Lady of Grace Chapel here on campus and then end the evening with uh, volleyball in the Newman Flanagan Center at 5.30 and 7 against Morningside College. And this will be the 50th anniversary recognition game. So there will be some celebration going on to celebrate 50 years of volleyball here at Briarcliff. And then at the end of the evening, uh, join us at Princess Tavern for an all-alumni gathering. I would say this, Matt, number one, echoing what Coach Figueroa said, I think the men's basketball alumni game is just a, it's such a fun, fun game to be around and see those guys come back. And was what was always special to me as a coach is seeing those guys just get back together and, and relive the good old days and, and just how special and how important playing basketball together in college was to those guys. A big part of homecoming this year is going to be the celebration of the 50 years of women's volleyball. A lot of people might not realize, but there really is a long tradition of success in women's volleyball here going back like late 70s, early 80s. They had some really good teams. So we're having a brunch for the alums on Saturday and then at the volleyball game Saturday night, we're going to bring all the alums onto the floor and recognize those. And, and a lot of our listeners, uh, some of our listeners may have been around a couple of years ago when we did the same thing for men's basketball. And that was a phenomenal day, phenomenal weekend. So we'll hope, we're hoping that it'll be similar to that for our women's volleyball alums. 
Awesome. Yeah, if you're around this weekend, again, check out as many of these events as you can. Uh, and for sure, try to get up here on campus because there's a, a lot of exciting things going on, uh, especially checking out that new fire pit. That's going to be a, a tremendous amenity for the students here on campus, especially as we get into the cold winter months. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but a little known fact is Coach Figuera once started a fire on campus. Um, one time the, the basketball team was out uh, having a little cookout watching some soccer, and and Coach Figuera started a fire. There might be some alums on that team listening to this who might re- recall that. Uh, it was really a very dangerous situation. I believe fire trucks were called. I, I was um, ahead of my time trying to start this fire pit before you know, we actually had it. The fire department was here. I think if you got in touch with Clay Harold, my guess is he still has the picture of the burning dumpster. Yeah, Coach Figuera thought that the dumpster behind the Newman Flanagan Center was a fire pit. That was the mistake he made, um, thinking that. And it was a dumpster. It wasn't a fire pit. The real story is that I thought it was a real eyesore, the, the old dumpster. And so if, if we set it on fire, we'd get a new one, which you know what we had on Monday morning. This was on a Saturday. Brand new, beautiful dumpster. So there you go. It would have made a fine symbol of the 2018 Iowa Hawkeyes special teams against Wisconsin last night. No comment. Which was an absolute dumpster fire. So we're going to wrap up here in just a second, but I do want to throw out a couple of shout-outs here. Mark, you got a shout-out? I do. So to stay in line with talking about homecoming, um, all the stuff with the alums, all that stuff's awesome. It's also homecoming for our current students at Briar Cliff, and I just saw this morning that with three members of the men's basketball program on the homecoming court. So my shout-out goes to Bobby Beach-Pattison, one of our student coaches, and then Eric Erdman and Jay Wolf, who all three of those guys are on the homecoming court. And if one of them doesn't win, we'll be sorely disappointed in the basketball program. Uh, I'd like to throw a shout-out. Um, as many of our listeners should know, our, our homecoming, we like to go gold for the athletic programs. Um, so a huge shout out to the family that we're, we're hoping to help out this year. Um, there's a, a child, Dexter, who um, last year at the age of five was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, and I can't imagine what that family's going through. So a, a shout out to him and his family for, for the battle that they've been having the last year. And I, I would highly recommend anybody, if you come out to the athletic events this, this year during homecoming, uh, to do what you can. We'll have raff, things being raffled off. We're going to have some rally towels that are being sold. Anything that you give money for the Go Gold stuff is going to directly benefit uh, Dexter and his family. So shout out to his family and a shout out to anyone that helps out in any way they can. I'm going to give a shout-out to Christy Sandman, who's our Director of Internal Operations in the Athletic Department. A lot of our alums would, would know Christy. Uh, she, today, she's celebrating her 40th birthday, so that's a kind of a big round number. She's probably not going to appreciate me. It's a bold move to throw the number out. Saying that on this podcast, uh, but uh, Christy's just an invaluable member of the Athletic Department. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Bobby, sitting across the, the table from me right now. Kind of a Cinderella story on homecoming court. Looking forward to seeing what might happen. Um, you know, he's just a young man that's just come from hard scrabble background, built himself up into something special on this campus, and, and uh, just really happy to see where he's at in his life, uh, the status he's achieved, and looking forward to what homecoming week might bring to him. I'll give a shout-out to the university relations staff. I know they're working hard, uh, especially this week, getting things ready for homecoming. So uh, Amy, Tina, Monica, everybody in that department, uh, you know, thanks for everything you do to keep alumni connected to this campus and, and for offering the things you do so that way folks can keep their BCU pride as they graduate and, and go off into the world. 
right, so I think that'll do it for this episode. We'll come back in a couple of weeks. And, and just so you know, once the season gets rolling, especially once we get into games, we're going to try to make this a weekly podcast so we can update you throughout the season and talk about previous games and upcoming games and, and talk about what's going on with the program. So we're biweekly for now, so check us out every two weeks. And like I said, once we get into the season, we'll be putting these out every week. So for the whole crew here at the basketball office at the Flanagan Center, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks.